Hey there, DC Comics news fans, DC Comics fans, fans of comics, fans of podcasts about comics. Whether you be friendly or frenzied, you are welcome to the DC Comics news spinner rack. This is episode number 77. I am your host, Seth Singleton, and it's time for me to do what I do this week, just like each and every week. Sort through the amazing collection of books from DC Comics and try to pick the top five. I'll be honest with you, there are some weeks I wish I could pick 10, and others I wish I could pick 15. This is one of those weeks where I wish I could have picked at least 10, maybe more. However, I agreed to the deal and the terms within. Five books we said, five books it shall be. Let's go ahead and start things off with our first choice, my first choice. I hope you agree it's ours. Strange Adventures, number six. Now, I'm going to be honest, this is one of those books where I know how good it's going to be each and every time it appears. And that actually requires me to almost restrict how often I would share it and kind of make sure that I'm mixing in so many other books because it's really easy to go to a guarantee, which is what Strange Adventures and so many other titles by Tom King prior to this have been. But then the challenge is to view them book by book, issue by issue, in comparison to the books that are coming out alongside them each time. And then also to keep in mind whether or not some books actually meet or match or surpass, which isn't always the structure, but it can be a big part of the decision-making process. And sometimes I'm just biased. Sometimes I know I'm biased, and I'll prevent my bias from even being a part of the factor by initially excluding certain things and then making my choices after that exclusion's occurred. Strange Adventures is one of those books that sometimes falls into that category because I know I just want to make sure I'm sharing the attention with others. It's been a growth process here on the Spinner Rack. Thanks for being with me. Back to Strange Adventures number six. Great writing by Tom King is matched by the wonderful cover and the interior art by Mitch Gerards and Evan Doc Shaner. Clayton Cowles on the letters, and we dive into a story. Now, at the end of issue number five, there was a meeting between Alana and Mr. Terrific. And it's one that had been building. And now that we've arrived there, not only do we have a really nice and intelligent exchange, but another flashback, which has been a part of this series, showing us the present and then also going back in time to the invasion by the Picts on the planet Rhea and the different moments that King chooses to go back to and focus on as part of this story. One of the biggest elements in this story is the fact that their daughter was lost during the conflict. And this is something that Alana and Mr. Terrific sort of talk around until eventually they decide that they're going to confront it. It starts with a walk in the snow and some really interesting perspectives on the public art that you can find in your major cities and their parks. And then how there's a sudden shift in the narrative as we focus in a bit on Mr. Terrific's life, the loss of a child, 
uh, an unborn child and his response to that, not only before and after, and how we eventually learned that there was more to the death of Alana's daughter. And then when it comes to Adam Strange, he was put through a very difficult experience and the result of it brought him back changed and a different man, which is now raising a lot of speculation about what that difference could mean. It's hard to go too far without spoiling a lot of the great details here that I want to keep uh, an experience for you to enjoy and not something I'm forcing on you. But I will say that through this process, we have some really great dialogue and there's also a recognition of a factor that could come into play more about the story of the death of Adam and Alana's daughter. And it's the fact that when it came to war, nothing was clear, clean, easy, or noble. And that in the process of that, there really was a, a recognition that in order to overcome what they were facing, it was going to be difficult, if not almost impossible. And that one of the only ways that it could be dealt with is by doing things that were cruel, inhumane, uh, unfathomable. And yet Alana has a great moment in which she justifies it by saying, we did it all to defeat a whore. And really, there has been too many times when that has been the deciding factor. Allow greater horror to continue or act. It was one of the reasons why the United States got into World War II, depending on who you talk to. So using it as an argument and as a, a point of discussion here with Mr. Terrific really changes so much of what we are learning about Adam Strange as the hero of Red and what that term hero means planet to planet. And as this investigation by Mr. Terrific is investigating, <laughs> the investigation is looking deeper into and investigating what it is exactly that occurred. And if there is any way that Adam Strange did things for which he now needs to be held accountable. Given it was a situation that was a war, and because of the conflicts that come with war, it's not a surprise to me that there would be inhumane things done. It seems to be the byproduct of war. War is not a humane act. And so I'm now curious to see what sort of ambiguity will be sifted through as we enjoy the remaining six issues of this Strange Adventures. Now, I decided to go ahead and play a bit with the thematics, because as we move from this great five out of five book and my first choice, Strange Adventures number six, we move into another Tom King product, another Tom King uh, maxi-series, original take on characters, and glimpse into the past. So my second choice is one that I've been really curious about since its announcement. And I really love the fact that after its announcement, it seemed like such a short period of time for me from when it was announced to when I got the chance to look at this issue and share it here with you. I'm talking about Rorschach. I'm talking about Rorschach 
number one. Um, I hope I'm saying that right too. Maybe it's Rorschach. Maybe, maybe it's both ways. Maybe it's a tomato tomato thing. I know overall I'm pretty comfortable with the fact that this character made such a profound impact when he appeared in the original Watchmen series. And that for me, it was really sort of like shocking and jarring to consider what he meant, how he embodied the sort of discordant chaos that had become so emblematic of the 70s into the 80s and well, what we've really come to sort of know as that period of time and how closely Watchmen looked at the good, the bad, the ugly, and how now in Rorschach there's an attempt to offer up the same thing. We've got an amazing combination, Tom King on the writing, art and details provided by Jorge Fornes and Dave Stewart. And with that, we open with a mystery, which is there is a campaign and two dead bodies, two dead bodies that may have been attempting something at the campaign, but because they're killed early on, it's really hard to know for sure. And such is the setting for this mystery and this investigation. We have an interesting cast of characters. They feel to a degree, um, not quite archetypal, but also very emblematic of the time period. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that falls into the rest of the story. We have a man and a woman and different ages. There's a possibility that the age of the man is in correlation to a past identity, which seems unlikely and improbable, and yet is being suggested through this story. We have uh, a few takes on how events unfolded, both from a security personnel working sort of in the upper level of the campaign, as well as from the viewpoint of police officers who were first to respond and came across a shocking series of events. But I think what really catches my attention here is the way that this discovery of a very old form of recording equipment is brought into the equation. And it appears to be a group, I believe at a seance or some sort of spiritual event to make a connection. And in the recording, they introduce themselves and then ask for someone or something to respond. It's a really curious idea to seek the other world and to do so at a time in which the technology feels so much older than time we currently live in and then how it's revealed and sort of documented in this story. I feel that overall there's this great sense of mystery elements that are being introduced in this first issue and that in the doing they, they give us not only the insight to what we're going to be talking about as the story continues but also sort of the degrees to which more than one idea will come into play and how all of these details might not be necessary or pertinent or 
they might just be part of the stumbling, staggering process from clue to clue that leads a detective in a mystery and an investigation to come across the unlikely simply by following a trail of mismatched breadcrumbs and other, again, clues to find this new discovery that only can be found when you sort of either stumble along, run your head into the wall so many times, or just get lucky and fall down a rabbit hole. Rorschach number one is a great mystery introduction. I've loved what Tom King has done with so many of his series, whether it's been a direct mystery and indirect. And this, to me, feels like a very direct mystery. And yet I also think there are a few indirect mysteries waiting in the wings. How will they make their appearance? When can we see more about them? Well, it's just a matter of time. And I'm looking forward to the chance when I might get to share issue number two with you here on DC Comics New Spinner Rack. Now that I've got my first two out of the way, as is customary, it's time for us to take a quick ad break, let you know everything that's going on here at DC Comics News, all the ways you can be a part of it, and all the other information we just know you should know. We'll be right back after that for my third, fourth, and fifth choices. You're listening to the DC Comics News Spinner Rack on the DC Comics News Podcast Network. We'll be right back. Hi everyone, I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast, here every week to talk everything DC, movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it, here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast, it's audio justice. (laughs) No, 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 it's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) No. Hello listeners, this is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the night. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Three, two, one. Harley Quinn? 
Harley f***ing Quinn, what have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh look, Gogurt. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not in need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f with Lois Lane. For f**k's sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love. The Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. And just like that, the ads are done. You're back. I'm back. It's the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. This is episode number 77. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. We have made our way through the first two books. It's time for our third. And this one's a mixed blessing. I love sharing this title because of how great I think this book is and how much fun I had, especially in the final maybe five or six issues, getting the chance to review it for DC Comics News. But Justice League Odyssey number 25, for all of its great qualities, is the final issue in this Justice League Odyssey series. And while I'm happy to share it with you, I'm also uh, saddened to see it go. This story, Last Stand, from writer Dan Abnett, with Will Conrad on art, Rain Barreto on colors, and World Design providing the letters, and Ladron with the cover, and Scan with the variant cover. Variant cover and the original cover are quite gorgeous. The variant cover is um, a great team ensemble shot, while the main cover is a really fun play on the uh, popular and very impressive Vietnam War film Apocalypse Now. Only imagine Apocalypse spelled like the apocalypse where Darkseid is, and now you've got yourself a glimpse at the cover. Beautiful purplish hues, and a really, a really fun, ominous reminder of just what's at stake here. You're trying to defeat Darkseid. You're talking about trying to kill the devil, and... That's not easy to do. But then you have this great variant, this hopeful reminder of the Justice League Odyssey team, what they've done so far, how they're uh, unofficial and eventually like battle-commissioned leader, Jessica Cruz, has taken charge of the impossible and made it real and wonderful and (laughs) such a great ride. Darkseid is wounded, but he's clearly not out of it. He's facing off against not only the original Justice League Odyssey team pulled from time, but also a couple of the twisted versions of the present day who still exist and are willing to make a final stand against Darkseid. Now, for all of his injuries and wounds, Darkseid is not easy to take down, as Orion realizes when with one hand Darkseid grabs him, his astro chair, slams him to the ground, and then starts smacking around Jessica Cruz. But meanwhile, you've got Gamma Knife with Haz and Dexstar, who are working on the revision mechanism. They are torn. Dexstar and Gamma want to go help the fight against Darkseid. Hack says this is their one moment to actually do something different. 
take advantage of the fact that they have access to the revision mechanism. Now, along the way, Darkseid also shows just how much he can still take control of the situation. How? Very simply. He decides that he's going to grab the present-day cyborg, override the commands that gave cyborg control of Darkseid's forces, and in doing so, also twist cyborg around so that he is once again the terrible new god version of himself. Suddenly he is turning on his teammates and laying into everyone he can until the victor, pulled from the past, is able to intercede. A few of the crew are wounded, including Jessica Cruz from the past, and in the process we also see the willingness of those who choose to stand against Darkseid. Present-day Cruz is relentless, but also quick to point out that even as they suffer blows from Darkseid, he must be weakened, else the blows he is dishing out would have already killed them. Now, there's a lovely moment from Dexter where you were reminded the idea of Dexter being a cat and the sort of whimsical... Uh, carefree choices that cats can make. Because of that, Dexter's choice to take Hax's original idea and add a unique spin creates this great setup and a challenge for how the team will move forward. Now we've had the sacrifice and we've had the reasons behind it, which means all that we have left is the question of where the team goes next. Now, I've actually been lucky enough to read on and get a glimpse and it has to do with death metal so i love that there's an ending to this series and how it moves into another series and how because of that we the readers are gifted with a great story with an ending that i think answers one of the biggest questions i had which is how will this all come into play with the present day world when so many of the things that were being fought for when the team first set out, are no longer part of the fabric. And yet also how, because it ties back into death metal, so much of it actually is. I thought this was a great 5 out of 5 choice. If Justice League Odyssey had to end, this was the great ending. I can enjoy and cheer, and I'm happy to share with you as my third choice. Which brings us around to my fourth choice. Now, a great 5 out of 5 pick like Justice League Odyssey, a spacefaring adventure coming to a close. It's really perfect. Go ahead and move into the fourth choice, which is The Green Lantern, Season 2, Issue Number 8, in a story called War with the Anti-World. Writer Grant Morrison and artist Liam Sharp team up once again with colors by Steve Olaf, letters by Steve Wands, and an original cover by Liam Sharp and Laura Martin with... A variant cover by Simone Bianchi. Now, this is some great stuff here I really enjoy. Uh, there's been so much fun to be had with this series. And, I mean, the original cover is classic and wonderful with its charging forward and its bravado and its team versus team. And then the variant is this gorgeous, wondrous magical feeling that comes with Green Lantern, Hal Jordan, 
and all the things we know and love about him. Of course, there's also his opposite. When you are dealing with Cord and the place that is basically the antithesis of our positive matter world, you also have the antithesis of Hal Jordan. You have the uh, variations on all of the different characters that make up Jordan's team and how they are reflected here. And then because it's Grant Morrison, you also have the ability to play with time. The present flashing back by so many minutes, so many more minutes. And through that, the development of the story, but also some really nice touches of insight into what it is that how Jordan's opposite is fighting for, and how a classic character from the Green Lantern Corps, a legend among Cordians and someone who has held a ring that is known for its yellow hue, is also a part of this story and a part of this opposite who is facing off against Hal. Through it, there's a development of the ideology, mythology, and ethos of the Weaponeers of Cord, the basis for essentially everything they do. And because there are moments when they view the dialogue from how Jordan and other Green Lanterns is being a mirror version, spoken backwards, twisted and deformed, it's interesting that by parallel you have this Grant Morrison story also playing itself backwards, showing time in a different way. Interestingly enough, I wonder if in some way it reflects how the Weaponeers in Cord operate time-wise, or if it's simply a great storytelling device that's used to affect in combination. Your choice on that along the way, while you're having that philosophical discussion with yourself, you can enjoy these absolutely gorgeous cosmic colors, these rays of light, these realistic flames. There's so many amazing layers of detail. I'm, I'm stunned when I think about how Liam Sharp spends, I can only imagine, countless hours of time on each section, each page how they're all so gorgeous. How does he get it all done in time for one issue into the next? It's it's a really wondrous thing to consider. It's a great thing to experience the mastery that he is displaying here and his excellence in his craft. And matching it with the wonderful storytelling of Grant Morrison has been one of the great blessings of this series, which is why I'm more than happy to share it with you as my five out of five pick, my fourth choice here on DC Comics New Spinner Rack. And for my fifth and final choice, it's another one of these great collections from DC Comics. It's, and for me, it's right up there with the recent Swamp Thing, which I was lucky enough to share with you on a recent episode here on the Spinner Rack. So The Doomed and the Damned is a collection of these great spooky stories. Um, you've got everyone from John Arcudi, Amadeo Turturro, Saladin Ahmed, Alyssa Wong, Brandon Thomas, Kenny Porter, Amanda Dybert, Travis Moore, Marv Wolfman, and Garth Ennis providing the narrative structure and or writing behind these stories, as well as art from Mike Perkins, Max Fimura, Dominic Domo Stanton, Leonardo Manco, Riley Rosmo, ah, my heart goes, Baltimore Rivas, Daniel Samper, 
Travis Moore, again. Tom Mandrake and PJ Holden offering up the art. You've got colors, you've got letters, you've got great stories, including Madame Xanadu and Manbat in Grief's Quiet Name, Superman and Swamp Thing in From Humble Roots, Batman in Urban Legends, Orphan and Orca in The Hunt, Green Lantern in The Shadow over Coast City, Aquaman and Frankenstein in Follow the Water, Wonder Woman and Raven in Inner Demons, Beast Boy and Clarion in Beast Boys to Men, Solomon Grundy and Ra's al Ghul in Seven Days, and Bator and Darkseid in Bator vs. Darkseid. Now, you know how it usually works with me. I don't generally go through all of the stories in a collection like this because I want to make sure you have an opportunity to experience all of them for yourself. However, I do take a quick glance at Grief's Quiet Name, and I love this man-bat, Madame Xanadu story that reveals to us just what grief looks like and how far someone, anyone, even a stranger might go, when it comes to cherishing an identity, whether it's their own or just one for someone that they care deeply about. I don't know if you can hear in the distance, but there's a train whistle a-blowing. That means for me it's about time to wrap things up. Keeping that all in mind, I, I really loved the way that DC has embraced the power behind these great collections that they have been offering. Uh, uh, a little more sparsely so in the past and with greater um, greater number, greater quantity, and with it, great value. I also love the fact that not all the names in The Doomed and The Damned are familiar to me as writers and artists, and I hope this means this is a great insight into new talent we can see. And if I'm just out of the loop, let me know. Maybe there's an artist, a writer, a talent I haven't heard about and you do know about. And maybe you can give me some insights about other work of theirs that I can check out and increase my knowledge. With that, that's my final 5 out of 5 pick. And this has been episode number 77 of DC Comics News Spinner Rack. I've been your host, Seth Singleton, and it's been my pleasure to hang out with you, share my 5 picks, what would be a greater pleasure for me, though, is if I get to hear your five picks or your thoughts on any of the books I picked or didn't pick for this week or any week, this episode or any episode, you can go ahead and reach out to me through the big group comment section by finding me on your favorite social media platform because I hang out with DC Comics News. So whether you're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, whatever your choice might be, if you can put the at symbol in DC Comics News. You'll tag us and let me know what you're thinking. You can also hashtag it DCN Spinner Rack. That's D-C-N-S-P-I-N-N-E-R-R-A-C-K. If you do that, you'll send it directly in my direction and I'll get a chance to hear and hopefully respond. And I think that's a great opportunity for all of us. I'd also like to encourage you that if you have anything else you have to ask for the rest of the team, that at DC Comics News, at capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N-E-W-S, we'll make sure that whatever you're thinking, whatever you want to know, will get through to the people you're trying to reach. That's all of us here at DC Comics News through the home office. And how do you make sure you never miss out on great content like this? Well, 
I'm going to encourage you, if you haven't yet, to go ahead and subscribe on that podcast player you're listening to. Now, you can tell friends we're on all the big ones like Apple, Spotify, Google, and so many more. But whatever platform you're listening to, hit that subscribe button and you'll make sure you never miss out on another or upcoming episode of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. Plus, you'll guarantee that in your feed from the DC Comics News Podcast Network, you will get great content like the weekly DCN podcast, more like the I Am The Night episode-by-episode breakdown of Batman the Animated Series, hosted by our very own Mr. Steve J. Ray. You can catch Mad Love, a Harley Quinn cast, an episode-by-episode and very raunchy look at one of the raunchiest series ever to come from DC and the DC Universe. For more content like this and bigger stuff on the way, make sure you're subscribed to the DC Comics News Podcast Network. All you gotta do is hit the button on your player and you're set. Well, probably for life. And that's gonna do it for us here at the DC Comics News Podcast Network. Once again, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you. Can't wait till the next time. Until that, we always have one final thing for you to do, and that is to always read more comics. Thanks so much. Can't wait to join you next time, right here on the Spinner Rack. Mm-hmm.